The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning, everyone. You found Financial Food for Thought. You've got Mark Donnelly and Carrie Waddell here this morning. And Carrie, today's show, I'm calling Who's the Most Dangerous Man in the World? Now, the, the list of contenders is I was gonna growing say, long. I was going to say, there's, I can think of at least so welcome, half a dozen. Yeah, welcome to the fourth quarter of year two of the Rona. And... There is a lot of fear out there. And we always say October is the scariest month of the year, Carrie. And so, but, you know, there is a lot of people who think, you know, who who are you? Who's the scariest man in the world? And I'm not talking about the new James Bond movie, Carrie. Well, although I'm sure that's really good. Elizabeth Warren chimed in on this topic. Is whether going to be renominated for a second term as Fed Chair? So she's talking about, of course, Fed Chair Jerome Powell, who is up. His term is ending in early 2022, and the question is: Is President Joe Biden going to renominate him, or is he going to be kicked out? And we'll get Elizabeth Warren's feelings on that. Renominating you means gambling that for the next five years, a Republican majority at the Federal Reserve with a Republican chair who has regularly voted to deregulate Wall Street won't drive this economy over a financial cliff again. And with so many qualified candidates for this job, I just don't think that's a risk worth taking. I know that some argue that your deregulatory actions are mostly harmless. I disagree. I think they've put taxpayers at risk for hundreds of billions of dollars. But even at that, so far you've been lucky. But the 2008 crash shows what happens when the luck runs out. The seeds of the 2008 crash were planted years in advance by major regulators like the Federal Reserve that refused to rein in big banks. I came to Washington after the 2008 crash to make sure that nothing like that would ever happen again. Your record gives me grave concern. Over and over, you have acted to make our banking system less safe, and that makes you a dangerous man to head up the Fed, and it's why I will oppose your renomination. Well, I guess she oh. made herself clear. I think that was a. Is she running? Is she? Is that the start of her campaign to run for a twenty twenty four White House? Assuming Joe Biden doesn't go for a real, you know, a second yeah, good term. Good luck with that. Um, but yeah, so Elizabeth Warren, who's she, she's like the lone chief warrior, you know, fighting crony capitalism. Right. She's been at this for as long as I can remember. Remember in twenty nineteen, you know, when she was doing the presidential. One of her quotes was, you know, the rich and powerful have been calling the shots in Washington forever and ever. And she's she's always along those things. And and she's talking about at the time she was trying to pass a massive anti-corruption bill meant to curtail the influence of lobbyists and influence of money incentives on Capitol Hill. So she's, uh, you know, we'll see. So who else is on that list, though, Carrie? I mean, a lot of people think so is, you know, I talked last week on this show about the two Fed presidents who were running into the ethics scandal. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was the Mm -hmm. Dallas Fed president, Robert Kaplan. Right. 
and the Boston Fed president, Eric Rosengren. Remember, Elizabeth Warren was not letting that topic die you know, okay. because the, they were the ones that they were through financial disclosures that we found out or the public found out that they were trading stocks during the pandemic shutdown and the relief. Mm-hmm. And even though supposedly it was not against the law, there, right. there was it was an <clears throat> ethics issue. OK. And Elizabeth Warren wasn't going to let it go. Well, both of those Fed presidents resigned this week. Oh, one stating, you know, the, the Boston Fed stating health reasons and Robert Kaplan just saying, you know, that's it. He's done. And he was I, I don't think he was going to have too much left on his term to begin with. But so so who's winning? But who else is on the most dangerous man in the world list? Biden. Joe Biden. Is that I would it? think up there. Um, I, I know I, in the beginning of the September, I said, is Joe even going to survive September? He I think he barely survived September. Did you see him at the whatever the congressional baseball game was the other night? I, I no, I thought you uh, meant like when he was talking at the UN. I heard that was pretty right. bad. Um, Mitch McConnell, you know, see the the minority leader in the Senate right now and blocking the debt ceiling increase and potentially defaulting the country. Nancy Pelosi. I, I guess maybe the I can't say the most dangerous man, Gary. Right, the most dangerous person. Yeah. AOC. She's crazy. How about Joe Manchin? All right. So, so, you know, Joe Manchin, who is probably more powerful right now than Joe Biden in terms of getting this infrastructure deal done or not. Right. And he came out and a lot of Democrats are upset with him because he's saying there's no way I'm voting for a three and a half trillion dollar tax package and and it, my number is a 1.5 trillion which is a lot of money Gary that's a lot of money but he also said that he doesn't even want to do that until the back to the federal you know the federal reserve that they start tapering they start you know slowing down or stopping that 120 billion dollar in, in bond purchases every month and it, and people were saying well mansion it's not your call that's the fed's call Right. And so there's a little misconception. There. I don't know if he was really saying that he was trying to change that the rule in the, the 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 line of order. I think he was just saying that he is not too anxious on spending more money until he sees the Federal Reserve stop the bond purchasing. You know, so so we'll see. Um, how about you know Xi Jinping? Is he is the most? How about Kim Jong Un? You know, you know, Putin. Right. You know, who is the the the, the uh, Taliban? You know, so we'll talk about who is the most dangerous. Okay, Carrie, why don't you get us started? All right. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday on 1420 AM between 9 and 10. We're a financial educational talk program here to give you helpful information about issues that may impact your financial life, um, whether you're working or someone who's already in their retirement years. We're sponsored by the estate planning team, and the estate planning team is an affordable fee-based Ohio-registered fiduciary planning firm that's been helping people more than 35 years in the greater Cleveland area through unbiased objective advice and analysis, and we offer both hourly planning for people who do need help with specific issues, whether it's timing of Social Security, pension elections, IRA distribution planning, Roth planning, conversion planning, which we're gearing up now for, and also people who need help throughout the process, whether you're working and want to know when you can afford to retire or what you can spend without running out of money or what's the earliest date you can retire. And we can model it in based on very detailed, conservative, realistic numbers or people in retirement saying, look, what can I really spend? How do I create the income you need as tax efficiently as possible? The big thing right now is there are opportunities available in 2021 um, because of things that Congress is doing may not be available in 2022. Um, We've talked about some of those things on previous shows, which you can check on our website and listen to our podcast at financialfoodforthought.com. Um, But we do offer a free consultation by phone or in person to see if you can benefit from the type of planning we offer. And we're doing those by phone or in person. And we'll talk today more, but especially if you want to look at year-end issues or steps you might want to take between now and the end of the year that can minimize future tax liability or take advantage of an opportunity that may not be available. And that's 440-239-2090 
or financialfoodforthought.com. All right. So, Harry, you know, did the government shut down last night? No. Now, all, all, all you know, you know, we're taping the show on Friday morning. Um, and no, so they, they saved that, right? Wait, quick, Carrie, get the, get the, uh, get the panda cam up running. You know, you know what I'm talking about? You know, the, the panda cam, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, you know the pandas? The, the national, that's how we know if the government shut down or not, right? Because, you know, when, when the government shuts down. Oh, the, the panda camera shut off. Yeah, the national zoo, right? So let me, I'm calling it up here. Okay, just wait a second here. It's the national zoo panda, great panda. Camera, it's coming up here, Carrie. Wait for it. There it is. Okay. okay. So I'm seeing a fenced in patch of grass. Carrie, what do they do with the panda? It, it's not there. Oh. All I see is a patch of grass. Growing. Maybe it's in house eating or something. I guess. So, but it, apparently it is working. So the government must still be open. So that was a big scare, right? Of whether or not we were going to have a government shutdown and. I don't think anybody really did believe. Nobody we were wants gonna... a shutdown. So it's it's open until when? December twelfth or something? Or December? They you know, just yeah. Right before Christmas. Remember, they always mm-hmm. you know that always comes up. So we'll see what happens there. So the next thing is the debt ceiling, right? Mm-hmm. And that's certainly scaring a lot of people. Yeah. And it's ridiculous and irresponsible, but. And. Do is it something that we really have to be worried about? Well, it, it is. It's never you know. It's almost unfathomable that we would not raise the debt ceiling and go into default and risk that when we're trying to recover right. from the Rona. <clears throat> and but what really what was interesting was that there was a lot of Congress people today saying, well, maybe we should just get rid of the debt ceiling. All right. And the 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 idea is saying, well, it, it's almost like a joke, right? Every time that the government gets up against it, there's this big hoopla about, well, are we going to raise it or not? And then the, the Democrats fight with Republicans. And when the Republicans are in power, they don't like to deal with the debt ceiling. When the Democrats are in power, they don't want to deal with the debt ceiling. So there are some people saying, well, why don't we just get rid of it? And so have you heard of this? So the, the ways they're going to get rid of it. So have you heard of the, the minting the $1 trillion platinum coin? What? All right. So, so there's a loophole in the law that prescribes that the types of coins that can be legally minted in the U.S. theoretically allows the Treasury Department to mint a $1 trillion platinum coin, deposit it at the Federal Reserve, and then to continue to pay its bills as normal. That seems shady. Okay. That uh, seems shady to me, but, you know, it's our government. And so so they asked, you know, the, and, and this is something that this has been going on for a while. Um, in 2017, President Obama, had, you know, was talking about senior officials had considered minting a coin to start off a potentially catastrophic default. All right. Remember Jack Lew, Jacob Lew, the Treasury Secretary for Obama? Uh, we were having these conversations with Jack Lew and others about what options, in fact, were available because it had never happened before, Obama said, referring to the Treasury Secretary at the time. There were all kinds of wacky ideas about how potentially you could <laughs> have this massive coin. All right. Um, the debt ceiling sets up a frustrating conundrum. Congress can pass budgets that direct the government to spend a fixed amount of money across its departments and programs and sets tax rates at particular levels to fund some of it. The gap between congressionally mandated spending and congressionally mandated revenues then needs to be paid by borrowing more money. So the the debt limit requires yet another act of Congress to authorize the Treasury Department to actually borrow the money needed to pay the spending lawmakers have already authorized. This causes a problem once the department hits that debt limit, you know, and while the Treasury Secretary has a bit of leeway to use extraordinary measures to keep paying the bills for a few months using cash on hand, the shuffling money around that only works for so long. Right now, you know, current Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has warned that by October 18th, she's out of this, you know, extra cash. Her cash reserve's gone. All right. So they asked, Congress asked Janet Yellen this week, is she for the trillion dollar coin. All right. 
Okay. And she she backed that. She said, no, she's not really for minting the trillion dollar coin. She's not planning on doing that. Uh, she said, I believe that the only way to handle the debt ceiling is for Congress to raise it and show the world, financial markets, and the public that we're a country that will pay our bills. However, in a follow-up question from another Democrat, you know, Sean Caston, Yellen said that she would support legislation to remove the requirement for a vote on the debt limit by Congress. So this is the change she's saying. Yeah, not that she's ready to mint the you know trillion dollar coin, but she is ready to say why do we have a congressional approval to do this? All right. Um, okay. I believe when Congress legislates expenditures and puts it in place, tax policy that determines taxes, those are crucial decisions Congress is making. Yellen said. And if to finance those spending and tax decisions, it's necessary to issue additional debt, I believe it's very destructive to put the president and myself, meaning the Treasury Secretary, in a situation where we might be unable to pay the bills that result from those past decisions. And she's not the only Treasury Secretary who's, okay. who's voted. You know, uh, Obama's, you know, Tim Gutner, uh, remember one of Obama's Treasury Secretaries in 2012. Um, he, he talked about eliminating the congressional rule. Um, so has Robert Rubin. So has Larry Summers. So has Paul O'Neill, all these previous treasurers. So it's not really a new idea. It's not really yelling, coming up with the idea, Okay, but it is getting to the point where it would that stop from all this ridiculous midnight hour worrying about are we going to the playing the chicken game right which right now mcconnell and pelosi and schumer are doing and saying well we're you know there's going to be no bipartisan support for this and you do it all on your own and and it's just the infighting Mm -hmm. so we'll see um so what else are you scared about in october how about the market yeah well, we we saw a lot, you know, the volatility is starting to come back. So September, we had a September swoon. You know, the S&P 500 was down 4.76% in September, Gary. All right. Um, but you might not want to jump off the bridge yet because even through September, even with that nearly 5% drop in September, year to date, it's still up 14.68%. Not bad. No. Okay. So even if you're, you know, if, even if you're 60, 40, if so, if you're worried about your 60, 40 portfolio. So even if you get 60% of that 14, 15% increase, that's still 8%, you know, eight, 9% coming from your equity side. And even if your fixed side is flat or even slightly negative year to date, right. you, you, your 60, 40 may still be okay to get the five or 6% that you're, you know, booking your plan on. But a lot of people think it's, you know, and, and, but how volatile has it really been? I don't think it's been, this year has been that volatile, really, in retrospect, in, in, in okay. historically, right? So I believe, you know, what now, how does, uh, how do I measure volatility? I like to keep track of S&P 500. I'm not looking at the Dow. No, I'm just looking at S&P 500. Right. The amount of trading days during the year where in any day that the S&P moved more than two percentage points in either okay. direction, up or down. Right. So through September of this year, I believe we've had five of them. Okay. All right. Now, and also just for fun, let's keep our eyes on parabolic moves. Those would be 4% movements in any one day, up or down. When we had, we haven't had any of those, I believe in 2021. So has it been real volatile? Well, if we look at it compared to last year, year one of the Rona, we had 44 trading days that had a 2% movement and 17 of which was more, more than a 4% movement. Compared to what did you say we have for 20? Five and zero. 44 and seven. I know now we only have three more months left in the year, but 40, unless we have a lot of volatility between now and the end of the year, that's pretty good. Yeah, so I don't know if we're still at nearly a 15% through the three quarters of the S&P and yeah, five days were traded. And, and of those five trading days, more than 2%, four were down and one was up. Okay. So th- that was you know negative. Um, but prior to September, you know, the only other down month of the year was for the S&P was January. Okay. We had seven straight months of S&P increases. 
Now, but but even but what was really volatile was back in the Great Recession in 2008, where we had 74 trading days with a 2% movement, 29 of which were parabolic. Wow. That was really volatile. So in, 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 in the long things, but, you know, so but how do you protect yourself from a stock market crash or correct major correction? A lot of headlines saying, you know, people are expecting a, a major correction. It's been a long time. And correction meaning 10% or more decline. Right. So we had nearly a 5% decline in September. Are we going to get to the 10%? Are we going to go back up? I don't know. But how, you know, what we always talk about on this show is it's hard to time the market. Mm-hmm. And I get that question all the time. And even though we don't do, we don't manage assets for our clients. So that's not what we do. But we certainly talk to our clients a, a lot about running financial models based on expected rates of returns and also the idea of modeling in future economic downturns because you know why we do that because it's realistic and it's conservative Mm -hmm. and if you're building a financial plan at home those are two good parameters to keep in mind for every assumption Mm -hmm. you have to make is it conservative and is it realistic so it, it's it, we would say the idea of building in an economic downturn at this point is both those things, conservative and realistic. And the, the reality is if you're building a plan and long-term projections based on conservative, realistic numbers, you're more likely to make a decision, whether it's to retire or if you're already in retirement or spend more and do those things that you've always wanted to do, but you're afraid to address if we've addressed all those issues, or you know, even during an economic downturn, it doesn't change those things, or it gives you the peace of mind saying, here, I know if this does happen, this is how I need to adjust. Right. And so just real quickly, Karen, then I'll let you give some numbers out, but in how people can get a hold of us, but three simple things that we always talk about is how do you protect your family from the the next economic downturn? Whether you think that's a coronavirus shutdown or is it a stock market crash or is it a global you know a geopolitical situation you know whatever you think could trigger the next economic downturn all right one maintain an adequate cash reserve mm-hmm. that's your first defense where in other words if if you you don't want to have to put your retirement lifestyle on hold because there's an economic downturn, because in the, right in the year you were planning on maybe a new home, maybe it's a, a big home ma- repair or remodeling project, maybe a new car, maybe college education for the children, perhaps grandchildren, whatever that big output of money that you were planning on that you put on hold because you don't want to sell your stocks low because the market's down, right? So maintain an adequate cash reserve. Cover your spending gap, you know, and, we, and if you're not sure what you mean by that, come in and see us for a consultation. Second one, continue to rebalance. And it's not the same thing as timing the market. Rebalancing is when if you're trying to target a 60-40 portfolio, maybe it's 50-50. That's between you and your investment advisor. But whatever. Are, you know, now, today, Carrie, we find that most of our clients' professional investment advisors are doing the rebalancing. Mm-hmm. You know, but a lot of the do-it-yourselfers at home may not be. Um, so it's a good practice to follow. So rebalancing, meaning like, like in this year, your equities, let's say you started the year at 60-40, currently you may not be at 60-40 because your equities may have grown more than what your fixed side has. So you need to revisit. and So you may be taking on more risk than what you're really intending or what you need necessarily. And so, so the if idea, there is a downturn, right. ouch. So that's the rebalancing is coming back to 60-40, locking in those gains. Um, you know, and, and then also, you know, if you need to build up your cash reserve by selling off some of the gains in the equity, gives you that cash that you could say, hey, I'm not going to reinvest this because I need to build my cash reserve. The third thing is build a plan R. It may stand for the Rona recession or the recovery plan, whatever. You know, a couple of weeks ago on this show, I was talking about how we, you know, our clients, some of our clients are now building a Social Security reduction plan 
because you know they're concerned that Mark, what if those dire predictions from the trustees that says that there's going to have to be a 25% cut in our social security benefits starting in 2034, 2035, that time frame. I just want to know, do I need to worry about that? So the building a plan R gives you that peace of mind where it saves you from making a knee jerk reaction. And by, oh, by the way, if you do have to worry, worry about it, it'll also indicate that to you. So you, it doesn't sneak up on you. So you have between now and in my example there, 2035 or 2034 to make the corrections to get back on track. That's the benefit of building a detailed financial plan. And <clears throat> that's what we do at the estate planning team, model in, you know, what your current thinking is. And once we have a good plan for our clients, we can model in a market downturn. How do they need to adjust? So they're prepared and not making these knee-jerk reaction, which often people come into us after the fact and do things that end up costing them in taxes. Sometimes they pull money from an account that causes their Medicare B premium. You know, we look at every aspect of our client's financial life um, and we coordinate with their CPAs and their existing um, investment persons um, when needed. Uh, we offer the free consultation by phone or in person and eat now more than ever. You want to take advantage of opportunities the government has available while it is available. And many people do have opportunities between now and the end of the year, especially people who have IRAs, company plans or similar assets. And if you're before minimum required distribution, even if you're at minimum required distribution, you could have opportunities too. Um, but take advantage of them while you can. And we offer the free consultation with a free evaluation, you can call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. And that's financialfoodforthought.com. All right, listen to Mark Dolly and Kara Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And we do it one plan, one family at a time. Carrie, I'm, I'm looking at the panda. Where's the bear? I, I, I'm seriously, I've got the panda cam up and it's a patch of grass. Oh, Is, uh, probably inside eating uh, or getting a vet uh, check. So we're talking today about who's the scariest man in the world, excuse me, person in the world. Now, Joe Manchin which we mentioned is getting a lot of press these days, Carrie, right? And part of what Elizabeth Warren's fight against the crony capitalism is, is she's saying, yeah, the reason why Joe Manchin isn't going along with the three and a half trillion dollar, not because he thinks that that's, he really believes that they, we couldn't afford to do that. I really think Joe Manchin does believe we can't afford to do that. But for the progressive Democrats, they do really don't think that's the reason. They think it's the reason because he's, you know, getting all the money from the lobbyists. Mm. So they, met, you know, so they, they report on, you know, how he earned $500,000 in 2020 from his son's energy firm, you know, which, which actually Joe Manchin founded in 1998. Where he's saying, Joe, you're the chair of the Senate Energy and, and Natural Resources Committee, which regulates the industry, and you're getting $500,000 a year for just have, being a namesake on that same industry. So maybe you're not too anxious to put in higher corporate taxes or, at, you know. <laughs> and they're also, you know, talk about how he's received thousands of dollars from Exxon lobbyists. Um, you mean politicians? Don't all politicians get money from lobbyists? Come on. Yeah. So I don't know if he's the most dangerous man. But so we're also we're in the scariest month of the year. So stock market and certainly a stock market has had its October scares before. Gary, right? Mm-hmm. You know, all the way going back to 1929, where you talk about you know Black Monday in '87. We could talk about what how bad the market did in in that Great Recession in 2008 in October. So. A lot of people pre are worried that, you know, we're going to get another scare this October. A lot of scare people about inflation. Mm-hmm. And this piggybacks on the idea that what if the Democrats do get this $3.5 trillion, and we're not even, and I don't think it's going to happen. I, I don't think there's any chance it's going to be $3.5 trillion. Now, we were supposed to get the vote last night on the bipartisan 
But right. Pelosi didn't have enough votes to do that, apparently. So, again, we're taping this show on Friday morning. By the time you're hearing this, that may already be done because I think she held everybody over and didn't send them home for the weekend. I think they're, you know, they were going to try to, she was still going to try to get that done on Friday. <sighs> Who knows? Deadlines don't mean a whole lot in Capitol Hill, Karen. Um, but inflation. So the idea is a lot of people are concerned that one of the most dangerous men, Jerome Powell, was wrong about inflation. And also the the Pelosi's and Schumer's and really the more progressives, the Bernie Sanders and the AOC's who want who are really trying to get this three and a half trillion plus the one point two trillion. So five trillion dollars in additional spending that that is just going to lead to super hyperinflation, right? And these are this is the headline shock, right? You know, the risk here. Suddenly, realization that inflation may persist is starting to dawn on many U.S. investors. U.S. could be heading into an era of high inflation that produced paltry or negative real returns on safe assets. Home heating sticker shock. The cost of natural gas is up 180%. Dollar Tree to sell more items above a dollar as costs rise. Cotton prices to rise due to textile industry's demand booming over supply. Worldwide energy shortages show up in surging coal, gas, and oil prices. Gas prices reach a new high in Michigan, $3.69 a gallon. Consumers brace for high prices as Fed projects inflation to last longer than expected. Well, I could go on and on, but you mm-hmm. get the you get the drift. Right. <laughs> and we've been talking how long have we been talking about inflation on this in this Off current? and on? I'm just saying this last eighteen, twenty four months. Yeah. Almost every show. Because yeah, we, going back to remember I was talking about what really oh, yeah. is hyperinflation versus right. what, you know, you know. But and, even then we've been talking about like healthcare inflation should have a different assumption than regular day to day. So what did the most dangerous man say about inflation lasting longer? Okay, because he's, is he reneging on what he said before? And so Powell kind of said, you know, yeah, it, it, it's, it's lasting, but he's still saying it, it's really, um, it will decline. He's still holding that, that, that it's, yeah, we see it now. Um, but he's saying, you know, current high inflation rates in the U.S. are likely to dissipate in the next year. Okay. And in the meantime, the Fed is going to continue to push for full employment. Um, so he was he was speaking before the House Financial Services Committee this week, right? And he's saying, yeah, inflation, which hit a 30-year high in July, will decline without higher rates from the Fed. So he's basically saying that that he does, he's not saying yet that he thinks that the Federal Reserve has to raise interest rates to, cal- to, to, to cool down inflation. He's still thinking that this transitory inflation effect will wear before he has to do that. Powell responded that current inflation is a function of supply-side bottlenecks over which we have no control. But I would say that we do expect in the first half of next year to see some relief depending on the bottleneck in question, and inflation should move down. And he's saying that, yes, there is this tension between the Fed's, you know, their dual mandate right now, which is the goals of maximum employment and keeping prices stable. Now, what people are worried about, Carrie, is stagflation, right? Mm-hmm. And that's nasty. You know, that's what happened in the 70s. Okay. And that's bad. All right. Now, stack. I think that some people will remember that is who, who's worried about that again, too. Right. So stagflation <clears throat> is when inflation is high, unemployment is high, but the growth is slowing. Right. Well, the problem I have to say, at least from that, unemployment is high, but there's not because of available jobs. There's jobs crazy and people are even paying better. Right. But but the weekly jobless claims, again, disappointing, worse than what economists were looking for. So the weekly jobless claims totaled 362,000, an increase of 27,000 from the previous week. And the, and the, the, the professionals were looking for 335,000. 
So if that's three weeks in a row where the jobless claims have increased at the same time period when the extra federal unemployment is wearing out, the kids are back to school, when we all thought everyone was going to go back to work. Or I would hope everybody would go back to work. I think if you're able-bodied you sh- and you need to work, you should go to work. I mean, right. everywhere I go, Mark, there's help-wanted signs. I- I'm not saying. I- right. I- right. There's 10 million open jobs, but-, but why aren't people going back to work? I don't know. Nobody knows. That's the problem. Because I think people, some people don't want to work. The great resignation. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Then switch jobs, but no, work. Yeah, I mean, some people are afraid to go back to work because they're afraid of getting sick. Right. With the Rona. Or bring it home and getting their family sick. Some people have to stay home to take care of sick people. Right? So there, there is, um, and some people maybe still has, have, maybe they build up a little cash reserve with all the stimulus money they got. And the child credit that they're now getting. And so maybe they saved up a little cash reserve that they're living on. Um, but remember, there was the, you know, you didn't have to pay your rent, right? There's a moratorium on getting evicted. That's supposedly up now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. We'll so maybe s- that'll kick things in gear. Um, so we'll kind of see that. So, yeah. So, 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 so with, the, with the threat of stagflation, right? So we could say, yeah, inflation right now is high. Right. Is unemployment high? Well, it's not at the low, you know, before the Rona shutdown, it was below 4%. Right. We're not quite there. All right. Jobless claims are going up. That's not a good sign. All right. Um, So that leaves the third leg, growth. And that's why I've said at the beginning of this year, we are going to keep a close track of the corporate earnings quarterly. They, you know, we play the earnings game every quarter, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's the key. In other words, is GDP hanging in there? Because if, if that's the third leg that, that, that leads you down that spiraling uh, cycle decline into stagflation. If you, with, along with high inflation and high unemployment, growth is slowing. Well, I don't know, and that's and so we'll have to see. So a lot of people, you know, that also start. You know, the the, the companies will be reporting quarterly earnings, I believe, starting on the October thirteenth. Right. So we'll see. So far, so good. GDP's up. Corporate earnings have been beating. We'll see if that continues now through the rest of this year, and a lot of people will keep track of that. So I'm not, you know, I'm not calling for stagflation right now, but here's the point. It's it, it's not up to what I think or what Elizabeth Warren thinks or what your neighbor thinks. What do you think? In other words, if you, are you just sitting at home up at night worried that inflation is going to mean you can't retire next year or if you're already retired, can't do the cruise that you had booked to Alaska or that you can't help out with your grandchildren's college education? Or that you won't even be able to pay for your groceries. Or your health care. So are you just sitting at home worrying about it? I think a lot of people often do and not doing anything. And just complaining about it to the TV screen every night? And complaining about it over the dinner table? Or are you actively building a financial model that says, Mark, do I have to be worried about this? Should I be rerunning my financial model based on a higher rate of return than when I ran it the last time? And I know a lot of listeners out there have never even run a financial model. You're winging it. Because if you don't know, sometimes people are worried and don't need to be worried, frankly. They're still going to be okay. And other people do. But you know what? They only have to adjust a little bit for the most part. Rarely do we have somebody that have to make major, huge adjustments. But at least if you know, instead of worrying, you know, okay, I have to adjust my plan. And this is what I know. Okay, discretionary spending is a lot easier thing to adjust. Or this is what I need to do. Um, And putting that worry into a solution and actionable steps that you can do something about. Right. And that's the discipline or that's the benefit of doing a financial model. And it, you got to go beyond like Carrie, you can't just do the 4% rule, mm-hmm. you know, in the 4% rule, you know, I've talked about it all the time on this show. Everybody knows what the 4%, if you don't know what the 4% rule is, come and see us. Everyone knows what it is, but the, like the 4% rule is based on a three and a half percent inflation cost of living increase. Mm-hmm. Right. 
But where the 4% rule breaks down, if you're really trying to do this at home, is that it assumes that you're spending the exact same dollars every year for the rest of your life. And that's not really realistic. No. And it's saying, yeah, whatever, you take 4% out of your nest egg the first year, and then you grow that. Second year, you take out 3.5% more than the first year. And the third year, you take out 3.5% more than the second year. That's a down and dirty way to see if you're in the ballpark, to see if your nest, if you've got a big enough number in your nest egg to retire. It's a, it's a rough because it also doesn't take any into account is how do you create the income you need later tax efficiently? Oh, how do you, no, it doesn't no, even touch on that. No, that's what I'm saying. Gary. So that maybe your Social Security isn't taxed or your Medicare B premiums don't go up. Like all of those things are important and actually put net spendable dollars in your pocket. Yeah, I mean, but I'm I'm not even going. I, yeah, I mean, but I'm saying it's it's not even accounting for, you know, you don't buy a car every year. But that doesn't mean you you shouldn't be building in an automobile replacement fund in your plan. Mm -hmm. Maybe you've got some weddings you've got to plan for for your children in the future. That doesn't happen every year, but those are big expenses when they happen. You don't buy a new house every year. You you don't you're not going to be taking the Alaska cruise until you're 95 years old. So so that's where the four percent rule breaks down because Mm -hmm. it really doesn't follow the your 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 lifestyle path now it was used very effectively because in the time in 1994 when bill benjamin created it there were no good financial models they hadn't been invented yet right it's much different today now we we use the robots and we can instantaneously you know build in and say well yeah we're not going to just go with the 4% rule we can yeah we can do that math in our head a lot of times that's called the 10 minute retirement plan right, right. but but if you really want to get a handle on this and you really want to get into decision making mode about whether or not a higher inflation that's maybe not as transitory as what Fed Powell first uh, uh, said it was going to be if that is going to derail your plans for retirement whether your planned retirement date or how much discretionary spending you can do in retirement. That's where a good detailed financial model where you're using varying rates. Like I said, the 4% rule is based on a 3.5%. Well, in reality, not all your expenses go up by the same rate of inflation. Okay, so daily living expenses, yeah, you know, we you know might not you might not necessarily break those down between you know how much your real estate taxes are going up or your grocery bills going up or your utilities are going up but what about health care maybe you want to use a higher rate of inflation for health insurance premiums well we're all waiting with bated breath to see what the new medicare premium thresholds we should be getting that information around thanksgiving we've all heard that there's going to be a good cost of living increase for social security but we haven't heard the bad news about what Medicare premiums are going up to. I have a feeling they're going to go up. What about there? You have some expenses that don't go up at all with inflation. Your mortgage. Fixed mortgage. Now, or, it may go up if your property taxes go up. Well, that's a different category. That's right, why we but separate in, them. But just your principal yeah. and your car payment, right. it may go up, but it doesn't go up incrementally every year. Some people keep cars for longer periods of time. So these are the things that say, yeah, so if you want to build a, a model that's really putting you into decision-making mode, you got to drill down a little bit deeper than these general rules. You know, the, the rule about you're only going to need to spend 80% of what you're spending before you retire. Well, you can pretty much throw that one out the window. Oh, that was a good rule of thumb before we had these programs and and software and computer, you know, to be able to use it was just a good rule of thumb. But most people we have come in saying, now my kids are grown. I've paid for their stuff. I have time now for hobbies. Now people are saying, now I have time to spend the money I've worked hard for. Maybe they don't want to spend 80%. Yeah. And so the, the modeling is, is you're expanding. You know, I think Carrie, pretty much all of us, have a pretty good idea of how much money we're going to spend in the next 12, maybe 24 months. And and also have an understanding of where the cash flow to do that's coming from. But how many of us can keep 25 or 30 years of cash flows in our head? That's getting difficult, especially when you add on the cost of inflation to all these various expense items. 
But do you understand how powerful it is to have a running model that is projecting that and that you can instantaneously change it and say, well, what would the model be if I run it at 3% inflation for daily living expenses, for example, versus what if I run it for 4% for the next five years and then back down to three? Mm-hmm. Or, and then instantaneously run it, change it up again and say, well, what if it's 4% for 10 years? I mean, that's the power. That's, so you're running enough data. You're getting enough different runs that it leaves you in a decision-making mode. And so you're saying, well, this is maybe my, my most likely case scenario, but this is the worst case scenario. And am I still going to be okay on the worst case scenario? Or I might not be okay, meaning that I have to cut something out or I have to work longer. But it's also by having a good detailed plan. It says, well, Mark, how much longer do I have to work? Is it six months? Is it three years? How about an encore career? Can I work part-time for how many years? I need to get out of the rat race, for example, right? Um, Or it could be how much discretionary spending do I have to cut, Mark? Do I have to cut my travel down to zero? No, maybe instead of booking my travel to 85, now I got to book it till 80. I have to cut five years of travel. Or maybe I was planning on $10,000 a year in travel. I got to cut it down to eight. And maybe I can't do some of the family gifting. I can do some of it, but I'm not going to do as much. So that's the, the level of detail we get to when we build a custom financial plan for our clients. So that's the idea that we try to get clients to understand is that, yes, you have to make assumptions. And a lot of people don't plan, Carrie, because they're saying, how can I assume? Because a lot of this is beyond my control. Well, yes, there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, you can't control what happens in the stock market. You can't control what tax laws Congress is going to pass. But you can identify, are they going to affect you by running detailed models? and running different scenarios that lets you know, yes, Mark, I have to be worried about that and I have to make some adjustments or no, I'm still going to be okay. And I don't, I don't have to make major knee jerk reactions. All right. Um, and that's also this time of year, Carrie, that we get in, we spend a lot of time with our clients getting year end planning. Right. In place, right. You know, in this fourth quarter where you 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 are not missing any particular uh, you, you don't want to miss an RMD. You want to you want to make sure you got enough withholding on your taxes. Right. And, Carrie, why don't you talk a little bit? Because I'm going to try to find a clip that I think I have a clip here of, of Jay Powell, the, the dangerous man. You know how he responded to Warren's claim that he's a dangerous man. Right, and year in planning can be looking at IRA distribution planning. Even if you don't need it for funding, if you're at a very low tax bracket, you may want to pull money from your tax-qualified dollar, max out a lower rate, especially if you're worried about future tax increases, or even if you're taking minimum, maybe you have room on your tax return to take more, um, and watching those different thresholds, and looking at Roth conversions, and making sure it's not a missed opportunity. Um, We even have a client... She wanted to do it earlier this year. She's at a zero tax bracket. Every year we look at taking money from her tax qualified assets. This year she took 11000 out of an annuity um, she needed for cash flow. She um, had a furnace and a roof repair. Um, she was able to take all of it out at zero taxes and an asset. In theory, you, you deferred it to later um, when you take it out usually when your tax rate's higher so for every person there's often opportunities that are missed even again if you're in a zero bracket even if you're um, not already taking minimum required distribution you know you want to be as proactive as possible when it comes to your financial life and don't miss these opportunities we see it each and every year and you can call us we do a free analysis on this and we can do that by phone or in person And our number is 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Leave a message. We'll call you back on Monday, or you can go to our website, financialfoodforthought.com. Any email from our website, we do reply for for some reason. It it didn't go through if you didn't get a response. Um, And that's financialfoodforthought.com. All right. We've got Mark Darling, Kara Waddell, and... We'll be talking about year-end planning 
for the next few weeks on this show, pretty much through October. We'll also be talking about what scares you in October and or perhaps who our government is the most dangerous. <laughs> so politicians. So here, here's this clip of um, Jay Paul responding to Elizabeth Warren's claim that he is a dangerous man. If I can woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, Carrie. Actually, that wasn't that wasn't Jay Paul. Oh, you know who that was? Who? That was our own Baker Mayfield. Oh, feeling dangerous. Oh. <laughs> So, I don't know who's the most dangerous man in the world, right? Maybe Baker Mayfield is. I'm a little bit worried about the Browns this weekend, Gary, because oh, they're going to Minnesota, and that's where Coach Stefanski, that's where he started his career, and so there's going to be a lot of mixed emotions. Now, normally the coach can keep his emotions intact, and he's a very serious when he's on the ball field. You don't really see him ever getting too emotionally which is good yeah so but anyways so hopefully we've got the go browns and we can super bowl bound carry wouldn't that be something all right if you're concerned that something that's in the headlines you know i I call that the headline shock risk right Mm -hmm. that that's going to derail And not even derail. Let's just say you are now having second thoughts about whether you could retire. Right. And we talk about the Great Recession. Whether you need or could you scale down employment, either by working part time Mm -hmm. or an encore career. Right. And and what everybody's idea there is a hobby career. Right. Right. Is there something that you like to do? That you're really good at. That you get paid for. That you can get paid for, right? Because you can teach it to other people. And there are a lot of examples of that. The, the other thing, too, though, is that the year-end planning. That's when we get busy with year-end planning right now. Because it still gives you time to get something done before the end of the year. Actually, before you get busy with the holidays. You know, ideally, you know, you're not really going to, you know, we don't recommend that you get your Roth conversion done between Christmas and New Year's because you might be busy mm-hmm. on some other things and, and, and that you might get bottlenecked, you know, because there's so many other people trying to make last minute right. decisions. As a matter of fact, we'll start reporting soon. We'll start getting, you know, when the custodians start saying, Hey, you know, customers, if you want to get a conversion done or an RMD done before the end of the year, you have to have the paperwork into us by a certain date. We've noticed over the years that's getting earlier and earlier. And that's just the, the demographics because every year there are more baby boomers who are above those thresholds when they're starting to deal with this. All right, Gary, let's get out of here. Have a good weekend. Tune in next week for more financial food for thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.